the Incomparable. Number 238, March 2015. Welcome back to part two of the Incomparable's drive-by shooting of Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. I'm your host, Jason Snell. This is part two. Part one was last week. If you haven't listened to part one yet, you should because you are missing our uh, hour and a half where we talked about barely past the crawl. But we've got the rest of the movie, our last of the prequel trilogy, ready to go. My guests are Dan Morin, John Syracusa, Serenity Caldwell, Steve Lutz, and Andy Anatko. Can we pause on the, like, the Kashyyyk stuff? Kazook. Please call it by its proper name. <laughs> Kazoom. Kazoom. That's not the name. Uh, and let's talk about the the next Palpatine-Anakin scene, which sure. is the – because that is the one actually – for me, that's the, that's the scene in the movie that I actually love um, where Anakin finds out that Palpatine is a Sith Lord. And that's that's the only moment of betrayal that sort of feels real and feels true, although I don't understand why he doesn't immediately just, you know, put him in shackles. And walks away. Well, don't you feel like it's a scene? It's a scene from the Wrong Trousers, the Wallace and Gromit movie, where Feathers <laughs> McGraw takes off the rubber glove, and and Wallace goes, "Oh my God, it's you! Yeah, it's you! Like, yeah. Says, yeah. So you're the Sith Lord." But yes, like Anakin is the last one in the galaxy to figure this uh-huh. out. No, no one else in the galaxy has figured <laughs> well, it out. No. It's just the audience. Know, well, they should have. Everybody should. Know. No one else. Because everybody's been hoodwinked. Can you tell I'm a Sith Lord now? How about now? How about now? How about now? How about now? There could be such a good Rift Tracks version of this scene that we could make. But I really do feel like there are, again, this, the scene itself is not perfect, but there are elements to the the way that he slowly kind of spins out who he is when he talks about Padme and when he talks about there are things that, that can be done, Anakin, really preying on his trust to the point where Anakin is legitimately, legitimately like, holy crap, you're a crazy person. Why have I been listening to you? You're you're horrible. I need, I must inform the Jedi Council. You know, I'm I feel horribly betrayed. Like this is a again a scene from an alternate movie, a much better movie where Palpatine is his mentor and his idol, and then all of a sudden Palpatine basically in a in a way to try and help him and pull him over to to his worldview kind of reveals too much of his hand, and Anakin's like, whoa, okay, you know, you've made my decision a lot easier. I'm going to go to the Jedi Council now. Like that, that pulled me into the movie. And then, of course, the whole Jedi Council scene is dumb because a uh, all why Jedi wouldn't... Council scenes are dumb. Yeah, they have go- they have hologram Google Hangouts though. That's well, kind of awesome. Do. I am curious if you're going to check in remotely to the Jedi Council, do you have to sit in a similar chair in order to join in, <laughs> <laughs> or, or does Hollow Skype automatically morph you into a proper, comfortably seated position? Yeah, no, that's the that's always the confusing thing. Like, are they sitting in a you chair? Must. It's the same. The it's, holograms it's a filter. It's a filter. are in the chairs. That's how it works. Is this is this just like the the chat cam is fitted with Microsoft Hololens? Like they're not actually there. Yeah, yeah. That's it's, that's not, pretty it's much nice it. that the Wookies uh, procured a Yoda sized hollow chair. Yeah. <laughs> they did. Well, he no, his people bring that along with him. Uh, his roadies in, in his little uh, almond shaped spaceship. Yes. Incidentally, my favorite my favorite quote from that second Anakin Palpatine scene is I think is that where he says. You know the dark side, and my my first thought was, yeah, I met him once or twice, you know, in a bar, <laughs> nothing serious. Maybe you've heard of it. How does it work? I, I like I, the relief carving in the background of that. They're like, there's another another setting with it. Like the opera set staging, I thought was interesting, and so was them having this confrontation. They have in a little dance front, in front of that in front of that carving. 
Yeah. The um that this that's actually the scene where I wrote down Ian McDermott. It's pretty good. But uh, my problem right. with it, Serenity, you're exactly right. The, the issue isn't with the scene. The issue is with you have not earned that scene yet because because what we want to see is Anakin fe- feeling like he trusts the the chancellor and that and that when he reveals to him that he's a Sith lord he already knows he's come along he's completely bought in instead of it being like he's kind of a bumpkin who needs to figure it out he should be with him there and you need for him to want something you need for yeah. him to want something plausible and believable for this vague notion like i had a dream a couple scenes ago and i'm totally convinced my wife is going to die and i'm also totally convinced that the only way i can stop her from dying is going to the dark side and killing children like this is just nonsensical like it doesn't there is nothing he wants i want to believe that he has been truly wooed and he is a full-on believer in the cause here and not that he's using it as a means to an end and that's what it is i i, I just think that it's so it would be so much stronger if even the audience is now sort of questioning that gee we've we've always our, our opinion of the jedi has been formed based on the, the holy trilogy these two jedi that we're familiar with that are very very good people what if like the rest of them are kind of jerks that they that they sort of came up from it would be so much easier it's so much, much more interesting as the audience if it were like and Anakin is like a conservative Democrat. Palpatine is a cons- – I'm sorry, is a moderate Democrat. Palpatine is a moderate Republican where it is so easy to simply say – to make that little shift that, well, you know, these people have – the the people at the other end of the aisle have been demonized in my mind for so long. Actually, now that I understand this one person and his point of view, maybe I should be a, maybe I should be a Sith instead of a, a Jedi and make us in the audience think – you know, actually, the Jedi are kind of being jerks in that they're still kind of unfocused in what they're doing. And uh, I yeah. love that you used a political metaphor there, Andy, because that's perfect. I can hear Palpatine saying, "Please, Anakin, caucus with my party <laughs> in the Senate." He wants universal health care, but we think that single payer is doomed to fail. <laughs> it's supposed to be politics in the movie anyway. And yeah, you exactly. had to use a metaphor to explain it because it is so far distant from <laughs> oh, actual politics. Like, that's what it's actually supposed to be. It's supposed Look to actually be Iowa, They clearly see my way. <laughs> this is a perfect place for the worth of the use of death panels, and yet nobody even once brings them up. <laughs> well, we're, we're, actually, once the, the death panels the ones that the lightsabers could not cut through that we were talking <laughs> about point. earlier? Those are ray shields. Close, though. Ray shields is also I must go now. I am about to do a filibuster in the Senate. <laughs> I will be back. Hey, you know, he's he's got to go back into his office and call people for money for another they four They vote hours. for closure. <laughs> I will be back. I've got a Jay-Z's pancake breakfast in a key state. <laughs> you know, I actually feel that it's okay that he's not wooed in this scene. I actually, I like the fact that Anakin is like, I've bought into so much of your bullshit. And now that, you know, now that you're actually pulling back your 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 hood, so to speak, I'm actually horrified. I like that, you know, he's he's antagonistic and is like, I I want to kill you. I I need to like this is this is awful. I need to go away. I need some time to think because the again, the there's a scene in this movie that almost works and doesn't. And for a tiny, tiny fraction of a second. <laughs> well, no, but Palpatine is even playing him here because Palpatine knows this is going to be his reaction, wants him to go back. Yeah, go back to the Jedi. And set, like it's he's setting up the next scene, which has its own major problems. But he is setting up. Well, the next the next scene does have its major problems. But this is the again, the, the fantasy arc that I want for Anakin, where he's like, I trust Palpatine. Palpatine's betrayed me. I'm going to the Jedi Council. I've given this information to Mace Windu. He's doing this. You know, he's doing this. And while he's doing this, I start to get 
get doubts because, oh, God, you know, maybe they'll kill him. He's, you know, he is my father figure. I should be there. And then on top of that, I have this worry about my wife. And then you have him basically there witnessing Mace basically threatening to do what he was afraid of. And in in pure in anger, in shock, in like in I don't know what to do, he ends up killing one of the greatest Jedi masters alive. That's the interesting thing, though. It's like if if you want to build that, like in my in my fantasy universe, Anakin's swap to the dark side is basically his complete and utter horror at I have fought like in a in a freak reaction. I've given up all of my dread eye training by killing this person. And now I have I have sunk to the very lowest of the low and I don't know what to do with myself. Right. And I'm I'm completely a shattered human being. I've Instead, already stepped over the line and now there's no way back. Exactly. There, the Jedi Council could never take me back. What would Obi-Wan think of me? I have no like what would Padme think of me? I, I don't know what to do. I'm like if that is that is what I want and you get you get hints of it here and there. You get hints of it in the previous scene and you get hints of it in the Mace Windu scene. But then it all goes crazy because then he's like, all right, now I am a pawn. I obey you, master. Forever I will be Darth <laughs> Darth Vader. Like it fa- it swaps way too, way too quickly. But that's the movie I want. But, but, but the, even the character who came out of that, even if that was the movie that was there, like the Darth Vader that came out of that, it's like, I've now gone too far. I've made this terrible mistake and a Jedi will never take me back. So I'm forced to go to the Sith side. That is not... The, the Vader from A New Hope. The exactly. Vader from A New Hope is confident with his, that he's doing what is necessary. Like, he is a company right. man. He is not like, I've made a terrible mistake and now I'm an outcast and I have to hang out with these losers. He doesn't regret, you know. This is why, you know, so as long as we're talking fantasy universes, this is this is why in <laughs> my version of this, this I want to see the story where you actually split this in two and you do the fall of Anakin Skywalker as you're doing the rise of Darth Vader. Darth Vader operating from the shadows. No one knows who this new Sith apprentice is. And you can actually do that in such a way that you can kind of maintain the the big reveal in Empire Strikes Back at that point. Because if you believe at the end of this movie, not to get too far ahead in the third act, but if you believe at the end of this movie that Obi-Wan has essentially let Anakin Skywalker die and that, you know, most people are in the dark as to Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader, there's still a compelling, interesting story to be told there. And we have an interesting reveal later on where, you know, we think, you know, it's kind of a double fake out because if we think that Obi-Wan is a essentially caused Anakin Skywalker to die, then we're watching, you know, episodes four and five with this whole different mindset. Like, oh my God, Obi-Wan is lying to him about Darth Vader killing his dad because actually it was Obi-Wan who killed his dad. So it, it's kind of like makes a great red herring track there. And I think, you know, by having this, as John points out, you know, Darth Vader is supposed to be a willing participant in this. So this doesn't really sell in some way. But if you have the idea instead that the Emperor is trying to sort of extend his tendrils throughout, it's entirely plausible that you he's got like, you know, we've already seen three or four different different apprentices for him right so you know we've already got this idea that maybe he would have developed you know anakin and sort of slowly rather than having this cataclysmic event and pairing the rise of darth vader with the fall of the republic if vader is sort of like seduced over before then and we sort of see him you know appearing in the armor or in like a mask or something like that because trying to conceal his identity and maintain this dual life and feeling maybe you know not necessarily conflicted but essentially trying to hide from his wife and his friend what he is doing, even though he believes it to be something that he needs to do. Like, I think there's a far more compelling story there, but that doesn't exist. I think that would be really interesting with the exception of I don't think that he would ever kill children. 
in that. Yeah, well, like, that, that's a whole separate, yeah. that scene is pointless. Palpatine's cycling through Sith Lords. Like, I, that's kind of like a running gag in his movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes on too many yeah. Sith dates, but he can't make them stay. <laughs> See, that's, that's something that I've really wondered about, because is this a case of musical chairs where Darth Vader became his, the Emperor's right hand for 30 years simply because he was the only, he was the one left standing when the music <laughs> he, stopped? Well, or was, he was or left was laying be- down, or, kind of. Or, 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 was it, or was it because Palpatine actually saw something in Anakin that he actually liked and respected, saying that if there's someone I'm going to trust to be my, again, my fist throughout the galaxy, this is the guy that I really want by my side. Yeah, or you'd, you'd or want Anakin a, to this guy's the biggest. This guy's the biggest dope, this big, the, the biggest corn husk I've ever seen. I've this the, is the issue, right, is that is that the, the prequel trilogy Anakin, you think... Palpatine chose him because he's a, a convenient sucker. Whereas the original trilogy, uh, Darth Vader, you think, oh well, he, he's the right hand because he's a he's a badass. Right. But they don't exactly. connect. They don't. And, and connect. like the whole idea is that the Sith, like it's the dynamic that's presented in the movies, should be like that. The, it's the strongest one, and he also picks the strongest one, and the other strong one eventually overthrows that one. Like the cycle repeats. Like it's you're trying to breed stronger and stronger Sith. You're never going to pick a sucker because like why would you pick a sucker and, and a wimpy guy? You would always want the super powerful one and he has to he has to believe in the cause he has to be willing to like there can't be any the whole you know there is no conflict like the only time this there should be conflict in vader is at the very end when luke redeems him everybody's up to that vader's got to be totally convinced that what he's doing is the right thing and you know it was kind of a shame when his wife died or was killed or however you want it to happen but this is what the galaxy needs. Like, and it's right. just uh, right. uh, Vader's not in this movie. Other than that, you know, if we go with the I create, I created you using midichlorians. You're my perfect apprentice. He should, he should be disappointed. I created you, and you? you're just you're an idiot. dumb. Midichlorians <laughs> don't work. I picked a random slave woman on Tatooine. Why? I don't, I don't know. know. The universe makes those choices. Yeah, I, I created you, and I wanted Michael, but I got Fredo. I created you, and I can uncreate you. <laughs> Let's go back to the real movie. And Time we're to going, and not the fantasy movie. To? We're going to go no. back. To, we're going to go to Kashyyyk, or as we like to call it, Kazook. Kazook. Uh. My uh, the Wookies are there. My kids uh, were watching at this point, and they're like, "Hey, I remember this level from Lego Star Wars." So there's that. <laughs> it's it's now been at this point nearly thirty minutes without a damn thing happening in the movie. Yeah. And Steve, to your point, my note says forty five minutes in. What is happening? Nothing is happening. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, but then something happens for about thirty seconds, and then nothing happens again. Yeah, I think it's a really <laughs> clever idea. I, I suspect that they are invading. Ka- Kashyyyk here on Life Day because they're going to catch, catch the Wookiees off guard. There is a big tree back in the background. Looks like it could be Chewbacca's tree. It's yeah. possible. We hear a really super cheesy Tarzan sound effect. Oh my god, that's the worst thing in the movie. Another riff to Episode Six, which in that case yes. was also still kind of a dumb joke. Super cheesy. Uh, and uh, Obi Wan talks to some clones and takes off. And uh, yeah, General Grievous is there. My notes at this point break down to this is all just nonsensical. We show up. Everything that happens in this movie is we show up at a random planet and then there's a plot thread and a fight. Oh, you've got the, you got the Wookiees all behind their barrier, and then once the things start landing on the beach, they all jump over the barrier and, and run, run down the beach yes. to be shot at. Yeah, I really like that uh, Obi Wan decides he needs to be really sneaky, and so his choice of ways to do that lizard. is to get on yes. a giant lizard and ride around. Yeah. Definitely the notes. most unobtrusive. Yes, John and I have the same notes. It's a giant lizard that makes a loud, high pitched noise every <laughs> ten <laughs> seconds. If you're going to spy on people. Yeah. 
biggest green lizard with feathers you can ride that lizard. My follow-up note is, seems like a dumb plan, Obi-Wan. I I like that the stupid Trade Federation guys are around. It actually sort of, I I was like, oh yeah, those guys, Newt Gunray, all right. (laughs) Remember when you thought he was going to be really important? I like when Obi-Wan drops the big thing and smushes the droids. I I thought that was okay. General Grievous gets his, this is the most awesome Christmas toy ever moment where he's got the forearms and the yeah. and the spinning lightsabers <laughs> i wrote down he seems grievous seems like a, a little kid's idea like you know what would be awesome is a, <laughs> yeah. a robot with four You've summed lightsabers up this entire trilogy jason who jumps into a little car wheel and spins around while... <laughs> and, the car, and the wheel has legs <laughs> also my favorite part of that fight is the bit where they're fighting on the random platform with the ship in the back like the starfighter there which is expressly set up so that when obi-wan has to escape later there's a starfighter there yeah. that he knows exists Yep. He also bangs his head on it once, I think. For some reason, Pinhead shows up in this movie at this point. <laughs> yeah. He, he meets Obi-Wan on... He's got the same robe, he's got the same head and everything. I did like that I noticed this time around, having watched this, and um, again, watching Star Wars Rebels, I'm like, oh, it's the same race as the Inquisitor. And sure enough, it is. I sent a plot to destroy the Jedi. That is the worst line in this movie. I'm going to put it that one. I'm sorry. There are a lot of bad lines, but uh, like... No, oh. no, I- I, I, the worst line has yet to come. The worst line is at the end, I think. Someone gave him pages to the script there. He's like, ah, oh, yes, if I flip ahead a few pages, I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. <laughs> so we do see Newt Gunray again at this point. Of all the frickin' characters to last through all three prequels, I know. it's Newt Gunray. <laughs> I was happy to see Newt Gunray, honestly. Not, not Darth Maul, but... Nope, Newt Gunray. He's the guy. You, you remember him from that terrible first scene of the terrible first movie? No. He's still no, around. He was so terrible. Hello there. There's a Jedi here. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, this week, The Incomparable is sponsored by our good friends at MailRoute. MailRoute is a service that filters spam viruses and bounced email out of your inbox. In fact, it stops them before they even get to your inbox. You open your mail and only see the real stuff, the junk is gone. MailRoute lives in the cloud. You don't have to install any hardware or software. You don't have to maintain. You don't have to do updates. MailRoute servers live in the cloud. They check your mail. They filter it, and then they pass it on to your mail server. It's easy to set up. It's reliable, trusted by large universities and corporations. It's got a really simple and effective interface for desktop users and email admins or IT professionals. They've built their tools with you in mind. They support an API for easy account management. The list goes on. LDAP, Active Directory, TLS, mailbagging, outbound relay, everything you'd want from people who are handling your mail. You can start a no-risk free trial, no credit card necessary. You sign up, you change your MX records on your domain to point to MailRoute servers. All the mail starts going to MailRoute, and then they deliver only the good stuff to you. Your mailbox and hardware are completely protected. It's simple and effective, and you should give it a try risk-free. Every listener to The Incomparable can get 10% off for the lifetime of your account at MailRoute by going to MailRoute.net slash Incomparable now. And thank you so much to our friends at MailRoute for being a loyal sponsor of The Incomparable. Okay, let's resume the beating of Star Wars. I had a couple comments about the Obi-Wan Grievous fight. One is yes. that Obi-Wan is dumb enough to try and box him, which seems like a really dumb idea when he's made of metal. <laughs> they do show him kick, kicking him and hurting his shin, so I gave a yeah. thumbs up to that. Two, his bad robot design to have your heart only protected by a couple panels and not like, you know, a solid like box made out of carbonite. But I do think that his death is kind of cool, and I do like that Obi-Wan yeah. shoots him with Fire! a blaster. Yeah, yeah although, I kind of dig that. Although Obi-Wan spends a lot of time hanging off the edge of things. And he, <laughs> he, he really does. Yes, he does. Like, it's just, he's barely on his feet. The, um, the really depressing thing about this fight is, like, four lightsabers should be a really freaking cool fight. Like, it really should. Well, um, it is cool when he first deploys it. 
Well, it is, except for the fact that then everything moves so fast yeah. and is in, again, the medium the medium to close shot that you can't tell what the heck's going on. It's yeah. just light everywhere. There's light and not actually fighting or choreography or interesting yeah, back and like forth. Terrible choreography. Someone online told me, like, as I was watching this and tweeting about it, someone's like, episode one has the best fight scenes. I'm like, you know what? That's true. Yeah. It has much yeah, better fight scenes than any of the rest of the movies. Well, I don't know where their stunt coordinator went, but like, uh, apparently they, it was Ray, unfortunately, when they cut he Darth Maul in half, half they yeah. also cut Ray Park in half. And he's like, nope, can't work for you guys anymore. Sorry. We have another instance here of Obi-Wan dropping his frigging lightsaber again. <laughs> yes. No, he, needs, he needs those little mitten <laughs> strap, strap, said. Yeah, yeah, he needs the Wii remote strap. But he does have the uh, – he, he, that, that allows him to shoot Grievous with a blaster, which is, is a kind of cool moment because that's the, a Han Solo right. way – out As he of shoots this, him right? multiple times in the chest, and uh, road flares shoot out of his eyes. <laughs> yep, uh, it's clear that he has no lungs at this point. So why he's coughing, I still don't know. Oh. But uh, R.I.P. General. That's Grievous. his weak point. The line's so uncivilized. Got a half laugh out of me. Yeah, I mean, it, the <laughs> delivery laugh. was okay, but you know, like I, I think I, that that fight scene is fine. Although we don't really care that much about Grievous, we do kind of care about Obi Wan because Ewan McGregor imbues him with some sense of humanity. He has a, a little charm. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, the Jedi come to get uh, Palpatine, and this is a fight that I think I think John, you talked about this on the talk show. Yeah, this is this is, this the, is the, the fight where question. many Jedi die fight. very 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 quickly, <laughs> and then there's a battle between Mace Windu and uh, and Palpatine. I, I want to point out my uh, my biggest beef with this entire movie it starts here. And that is that from this point on, which is at, at one hour and eight minutes, right at the end of the Grievous battle, not a single positive thing happens in this film. It is just relentlessly bleak. Yeah. There's, there's nothing fun whatsoever. There's no minor victories. There's no comic relief, uh, not even of the, you know, uh, we don't even have puns from C-3PO. The back no. of, of no. I, it's, there's nothing. And it's, it seems like, you know, the chips were down in Empire for a lot of it, but there were still these little minor victories. And there's the, you know, the escape from uh, Bespin and all that stuff going on. There are people to root for, though, Steve. That's the thing. There's someone to root for and hope that they survive. In this case, who do you want to survive? That should lessen the pain, not, not make it worse. <laughs> but the fact is, I mean, even though I don't care about these people, I still, I just dread watching the rest of this movie because nothing good is going to happen. It's just going to be crap fest after crap fest. And, uh, you know, it's just that's not what I want in my happy, fun time space adventure movie. I, I have to say the scene where Anakin tells Mace Windu, I've just learned a terrible truth, a uh, terrible line. Um, I expect them to break into song a little bit. Does, Mace Windu seems really unsurprised by it, like, oh, crap, Mo, yeah, we better go arrest him. Same, I wanted Samuel Jackson, Jackson be like, mother... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's right. He, what? <laughs> he doesn't seem like he knows what to do with this role. So, it's like, the, it's like no, they, no. Uh, they cast Sam Jackson and they asked him to act out of character. Be not, not Sam Jackson suit. for this right. movie, please. Be anybody but Samuel Jackson. We'll put you in the movie because you want to be in Star Wars, but we're not going to let you be. We'll give you a great fight scene at the end, but... We're going to shave your eyebrows and make you sad. He has some range. If you seen him in other dramatic roles he has range he can be downtrodden he could be he could be calm he could be yeah. subtle he's better as nick fury for Absolutely. crying out loud 
John, he's he better did, in the Capital was... One card commercials than he is in this movie. <laughs> this this was very. I think he was very much riffing on. Was his was his role in uh, uh, Jackie Brown before this or after this? Because I really think that's the most similar character to what he was doing as Mace Windu. That's this is a guy who, this. Who, who will definitely you know blow your head off or cut your cut your lightsaber arm off, but will also like will stop and think and figure things out. Well, he doesn't think very hard. He says things like, "It's really dangerous to put Anakin and Palpatine together." Mere seconds oh, well, after he's just done it. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't 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 blame Mace, Mace Window for the words that he was forced to say at <sighs> at by, by contract. Once again, the the Emperor Mace Window fight is also really terrible. It's it's very slow and ponderous in some ways, and there's a huge reliance on the Ian McDermott stunt double, like jumping and flipping all over the place, right. which never doesn't look stupid. Like any scene where any of the Jedi. Do that like with Christopher Lee or Ian McDermott, anyone who's clearly not able to do that. And yeah, it has to do the like jumping around and barrel rolling and spinning. It's like it never looks good. It's a crappy fight scene. Well, you see, they're desperately trying to get the high ground, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, right. (laughs) So the the question that came up on the talk show about the scene is the essential question is, is Palpatine sandbagging? Is he intentionally, could he have killed Mace Windu easily? Oh, yeah. But forced forced himself... To, now, I don't think that's clear from the movie. I don't think it's entirely clear because Mace Windu is put up as kind of like the most powerful Jedi and he, you know, unstoppable or whatever. And, you know, is is this gambit by Palpatine to say, I'm going to make it look like I'm about to die when really I'm not just to force Anakin to kill Mace to bring him over my side? Or was uh, Palpatine actually a little bit overwhelmed and actually needed Anakin to save him but knew that he would? I think Palpatine's terrible acting answers that question. Like, oh, oh I'm so weak. I'm so weak. I'm so weak. <laughs> yeah, that, at that point, he looks like he's sandbagging, but yeah. all the previous points, it looks like you were being legitimately beaten, and if Anakin wasn't there to save you, and like, and then, of course, the problematic part is that Mace is like, no, we've got to kill him, despite the fact that I totally don't do that, yeah. but I have to do it for purposes of the plot, so you'll kill me, whatever. Well, because he is so powerful that I don't think I'll ever have control. And then Anakin killed the guy 20 minutes ago. My argument is that is that Palpatine is trying to stay clean and beat Windu with lightsabers and all that and then in the end he get he uses the force lightning and gets all super wrinkly and goes like he taps the final thing he needs. So I think yeah, he that's, always that's can the beat sandbagging him. part is like yeah. well if he was if he was sandbagging why would he have ruined his face that badly? Like, right. be like okay that never makes sense to me anyways. There's no explanation of what causes no, that. That's just like, to, to make him look like he does in the other movies. Yeah, I know it's so those. dumb. Yeah. It's so yeah. I'm all wrinkly now, but it's oh, I, it was just an injury that. But, but see, that's why that's why I think he wasn't sandbagging because you wouldn't let that happen to you. But uh, basically, the bottom line is, I think it's poor movie making that we can't tell what the <laughs> yeah. clearly no, what the intention that's, that's, was. That's, by the way, sandbagging when Anakin walks in and is con- and is conned by the Emperor into believing that this is a terrible Jedi plot, does he miss the like pile of dead Jedi bodies <laughs> that is in the yeah. entryway? Who hey, been- Mace killed them too because Mace has just gone nuts now. He's killing. Everybody. Well, it's a terrible Jedi plot, but if the Jedi have come to assassinate him, he's probably going to fight back. No, it's a terrible Jedi plot in the sense that it's just a really bad plan. Why did he bring the worst three idiot Jedi with him to take on Palpatine? Those guys go down yeah. so fast. Well, that was, that was who's yeah. available. Those Jedi just stand there and get stabbed. Yeah, the rest of them are on holograms. 
Jedi are supposed to have some level of like danger sense, right? And like be able to tell when bad crap's about to happen. Not in this case where they all get summarily dispatched. The poor Jedi that gets killed on the flower planet, she just raises her arms in the air and falls to the ground. It's like the worst death ever on film. Yeah, Yeah, but these three guys are supposed to be like Windu's guard and they go down like the the battle droids. No, they're like like the the enemies in a ninja movie. Like one at a time, they just throw themselves onto the enemy sword. They're minions. They only have one hit point. Oh, that's how They just go right down. Yeah, if, they, if there had been only one of them, then it I will say tough. that this scene makes me sad because, and again, so much stuff that's like brought in from the baggage of the Clone Wars series. But there are characters here that I actually grew to give a give a crap about because of the Clone Wars series. Like the most damning thing to me in this entire thing is when you know Obi Wan's. Uh, clone buddy Cody Commander tries to Cody. have him killed and Commander Cody's a great character in the series who's like steadfast and always by his side and like the scenes the Clone War episodes that deal with the whole like clones being programmed to essentially accept this order and kill Jedi is super creepy and done really well because to, and in those cases it's always like they're sort of fighting against it and they don't realize that they've been programmed where in this one it just seems like they knew all along it had in their back pocket like oh yep time to shoot this no, guy the, the clones aren't characterized at all in this in, the entire pre no. series like they're they not. are characters no. in the clone war cg series and this they're just they, like, might as well well, be droids. they were stormtroopers they might as well have their helmet on because they all look the yeah. same and they're not really characters anyway so just well, ignore they're cannon them. fodder i mean i think lucas was afraid to make characters that would die that people would be worried about so right like stormtroopers were the little kids but master yoda the, yeah, he uh, changed his mind somewhere between episode two and three <laughs> Plo Koon dies too poor Plo Koon. i loved him so yeah. mace windu dies and we get the crowning of, of Darth Vader, that you shall be known as, let me check my Rolodex, uh, <laughs> Vader, Darth Vader, yes. Wait, what's coming up? We just had Darth, Darth Wacky. What names haven't we used yet? Darth Fuzzy Socks. Oh, He's no, wait, literally wait. gone in alphabetical order. Yeah. Maul, Tyrannus, <laughs> ah, Vader, yes, that one I really liked. That was going to be for my third child. Well, we have Darth Uranus, but I think we'll skip that one. <laughs> go, go to the Jedi Temple, do what must be done, Lord Vader. And, and this is one I wrote in my notes. Are the are we now to believe that his visions of Padme's death might actually just be fake put in his mind by Palpatine? Because he seems to do it all because of Padme. So that would be I'm just saying, maybe. That's that's well that, that's another in a better movie. Like yeah. this I, I'm, <laughs> exactly. I'm so I am so prone every time I, I and every mm-hmm. time I I'm watching this movie and I'm thinking, Oh, isn't this sophisticated? Isn't this subtle? And then I think of no, this is not the no, I've seen the fingerprints on this movie. This is not the <laughs> fingerprints of someone who's thinking that deeply. Also, please execute order sixty six. I've I've given you a list of orders from one to sixty six. <laughs> one being the best, sixty six being the most evil. Order sixty five was just to get him lunch. They're not really in priority order. Don't forget fifty seven, which is to Pick up my my Quiznos sub. <laughs> well, it's interesting that he only has to say execute order sixty six to like one third of the clones, and the rest of them, you know, the lead clone can just turn to him and nod, and they know exactly what yeah. that well, means. Yeah, they all they have it's the all secret they all got the, yeah, yeah, the clone. Been been also, here's here's where it becomes even dumber that the stormtroopers are apparently clones because it's clear here that these clones can actually hit somebody with a blaster. Yeah. Well, they cloned them off Django Fett. Yeah. He should be able to hit something. Yoda feels that there's something bad going on and he stops something. Never trust clones. That's the lesson we've learned here. Never trust a clone. Yoda at least has danger sense. It's not so easy to just walk up and kill Yoda, apparently. Okay, so that was my two my two notes about this. One of them is how do none of the Jedi survive except Yoda and Obi-Wan? All the they rest all, of them were that suck. bad? They're terrible. They're that yeah, bad? Like, they are made to they are made to look incompetent. These characters, you know, who are like sitting around the Jedi Council. Well, they they're don't, just, well that's 
remember this this is sort of proven false because they they have this whole like actions quote action unquote sequence which they got to get back into the temple to turn on the to, to modify the beacon so it's warning jedi not to come not to come back which kind of indicates that they know there are others out there and just whatever whatever it is we're tear up your membership cards don't there's gonna be no more meetings you can stop making lightsabers pick up a pick up farm implements you are now in the you're now in the etsy business you're gonna be, start a general store on the outer rim and just don't tell anybody about your past or start a, start a diner 50s diner maybe be a cloner you got lots of options the only reason i buy order 66 is the Jedi that we're seeing primarily are flying and otherwise working with clones that presumably they trust. All of the people we show, again, we don't know just from watching this movie who they are, but with Clone Wars back, you know, backstory and all of that, these are all fairly prominent Jedi leaders who have been working, you know, working on the front lines for the war. So all of them presumably have clone troopers that they know and they trust and they've worked with. So it's more, it should be damning, right? It should be yeah. my, you know, who I thought had my back have now shot me in the back. It should feel like a betrayal. Well, it is. Exactly. It's a a complete and total betrayal. And that is why the Jedi fall so easily who are in sort of are are in and around the clone troopers is that they don't expect it. And they don't, you know, and they've been blinded by either Palpatine's supreme power or just hubris to not think that they might get hurt. Uh, I I. I did think that was really cool. It's it's sort of like oh my oh it's like imagine in our country where it's like oh my god there's like a really really horrible we're being invaded. Don't worry, each one of the senators we're going to have five army guys accompanying you at all times. Oh great, I've got army guy. I got a personal five five army guy guard. It's like no, they're there to make sure that when the final order comes, there are five people to shoot you. I like that. That was oh. a, that was a there's there, there's so many t- so many symbols that this could have been a really really good plot and a really really good plan. But but Jedi sense when other Jedi or anybody dies like the, the, the yeah. whole reason that Yoda lives is like oh he senses the other one dying yeah. unless they kill them at exactly precisely the same moment and all the other ones are their spidey sense to mix things they're gonna have to be tingling oh they might not be killed. happening oh. at the same time y- Yoda's a little further away and so it's there's more yeah, of a delay. Because, because he Jet gets lag. the feeling he gets like oh something terrible is happening which is why when the clone trooper comes up behind him he loses his head in two seconds which is you know appropriate realistic <laughs> possible that Yoda's special the um so uh, Anakin goes to the Jedi Temple and kills all the little kids because it might save his secret wife. Maybe? Yeah, that's 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 his logic. I, I believe <laughs> yeah. the whole thing is motivated by a crazy dream, and his logic is: if I kill these kids, I will it will save my wife, who will surely surely still love me after I kill these kids. Mm-hmm. So again, in secret alternate movie, what I would love to have seen was Anakin goes into the Jedi camp- Temple finds the kids, herds them all into a room and is basically like, there are people attacking the the temple, please don't come out hide in here. Then he goes in search of the other adult Jedi, kills the adult Jedi he hasn't gotten all of the kids tiny little kid sees him sees him killing the Jedi runs <laughs> off to tell the other kids Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, runs off Why to tell the other kids Why are you chopping our tree up with your lightsaber? <laughs> Why? Why are you chopping all of our Jedi <laughs> teachers to bits? But that, but then he feels forced to kill the kids, and then it's not just I'm super evil. Or he comes back to the room with the kids and says, "Guys, we're going to uh, Chancellor Palpatine's daycare from now on." 
Yes. Or there are no young youngs in the stupid Jedi temple to begin yeah. with. No young youngs. Ding 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 ding. Yeah. Well, I, I, when, when they find the bodies later, apparently these children died of a broken heart, as another character will later in this movie, yes. because there is not a mark on them. They nope. didn't have the guts. They want. They wanted you to think that he killed them, but they didn't want to show a single scorch mark, let alone blood or anything like that. Someone is seen to have been killed by a lightsaber. Yeah. Yes. Later they say it's they've been killed by lightsabers, so maybe their necks were all cut. Yeah. They say it, but they don't show it. Like it's, they just show a bunch of kids laying down. No, with not a mark. This on isn't a dark movie, John. That's what I'm saying. Like, they show him on fire with his oh, limbs no, cut off later. It's the dark one, Dan. <laughs> the dark yeah. one. Thanks, thanks for <laughs> Okay, I want to know, whose who's stupid kid is it that says, Master Skywalker, there are too many of them, what are we going to do? Because that is the worst line reading in any Star Wars film. <laughs> well, give no, him no, a break. No, that one's a kid. And I think Hayden Christensen, yeah. who's an adult, has way worse line readings than that. Uh, no, no, no. It's so, so bad. We get, uh, oh, we, we also have our Chewbacca cameo around now, which is like, thank you, Chewbacca. Okay. He gets on his shoulders. <laughs> Yoda takes off in his almond. In his almond. Yes, that's right. Uh, Jimmy Smits, we get to see he runs away. Run away, Jimmy Smits. It's bad. You can Run still away. become president someday, Jimmy Smits. And you go, and he goes back <laughs> to the white ship that we, that is from the, from the original Star Wars. The white um, ship with black curtains. Uh, Obi-Wan does what he always does, which is land on a planet and do something and take off. That's all he ever, <laughs> ever does. He does it again. Many Jedi have been killed. We get some nice use of the po- the passive voice there. Many Jedi have been killed. By who? Somebody. Yoda knows. He doesn't want you to look at the tapes. He knows what's on them. And th- this is when I hit my Natalie Portman despair and I wrote down, if only we believed anything about this, if only Padme were anything but just the girlfriend, she does nothing. Worst fake crying. Natalie, yeah. sorry, I love you. <laughs> Worst fake crying. I, I, I like seeing the white ship. The the you know what what is that? The tantive tantive four four yeah four yeah. Uh, I liked seeing that. That would that made it's like I remembered a good movie when I saw that part. Yay! Speaking speak, to Steve's point about there being no comic relief, this really depressing scene when Anakin goes back to talk to Padme, and then R two, who's been with him, and like this is the thing that really upsets <laughs> yeah. me is that yeah, was R two uh, witness to all of the young right? Anakin? He was okay with it. Right, and so like having the droids be a party to Anakin's life totally corrupts them in our view yes. because they're now tainted by association. And so we get the line where three PO says, "Well, he is under a lot of stress." <laughs> <laughs> what the actual? <laughs> I think the most repeated line in this film, though, is R two stay with the ship. So he's yeah. always being told. And he's even like, yeah. "Dude, I'm in the ship. I have to stay with the ship. I'm I am part of the, the ship." ship. <laughs> yeah. If R2 was okay with the killing and mass murdering of innocents, my my heart will be crushed. So Anakin comes to check on Padme and the baby. Oh, by the way, I just killed a bunch of toddlers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be a great dad. I got blood on my hands. Sorry. How's our baby? I did it for it's you. It's cool, though, because you're going to be okay, baby. I did, it. I did it for you, baby. Yeah. But- <laughs> That dream I had about you is totally not going to come true now. I know you're really worried about that. I'm going to be the greatest dad ever. If ever we need to kill our kids, I know totally how to do that. that. Also, I can can guarantee our son is going to be top of the class of young youngs. But here's the the most important part of the movie then is what happens next, which is, can 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 you guess? I have initiated a special session of Congress to blah, 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 boring, boring, boring. I think that got me is that at some point, I think it's the scene where the Obi-Wan is looking at the security footage. He says something like, oh, we better go, you know, shouldn't we go confront the Emperor or something? I'm like, really? We're already calling him the Emperor? Like, yeah. you know, one day and proclaiming his Galactic yeah. Empire and we're just going to give that to also, him? Also, he says, no, I can't believe it. It can't be true. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Mm. 
Yeah, I could kind of believe it. That kid was always kind of screwed up. Also, did you notice that as soon as Anakin is fully on board as being Darth Vader, they give him the evil ship to fly? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, no. Now that you're a Sith Lord, you get the cool evil ship to yeah, fly. It's a perk. I also don't get why everybody in the Senate is that happy about the Empire. They're like, yeah, mm. they, they didn't, they didn't spend any time explaining no. why like people would go along with this. Or... This is how liberty dies with thunderous applause. Yeah, it's set up for that terrible line, which, which in some ways could have been a good line in in in, in that mystical other universe movie, but like <laughs> it doesn't make any sense here because we don't, uh, despite all the time we spend on politics. None of those politics have any substance. We have no understanding of why anybody would be excited about being in the Empire. This is the official start. Remember the scene in, in Patton where the there's a the final scene in the in the German bunker where every general is just burning papers as fast as they possibly can before the Allies come in. This is to me that's like the the start of the part of this movie where oh like we just have to start burning papers. We start have to we have to start making sure that everything that happens after this for, for the twenty years between this movie and episode four makes some kind of sense they need to have they need to make sure that the emperor has absolutely achieved a victory here he doesn't have to take out the senate he doesn't have to fight a long long campaign he is the victorious champion of a force of light that has that has gotten rid of those people who were filing those tax impound forms yes. incorrectly or whatever the hell was the, the call from episode one said Dispute. you know so yay hooray i said oh isn't it it's it, and oh my god he was so horribly scarred he will bear like the the proudly the symbol of how much he sacrificed to make us make us victor victorious and feel good about ourselves so it's almost like the falkland the falkland islands conflict you know in, in writ in like 1080p uh digital um i i like i mentioned newt gunray earlier i enjoyed newt gunray dying at this Yay. point it's yeah, like they're I, killing a part of episode one and i approve i have that line actually written down hooray he's going to kill newt gunray <laughs> no i know <laughs> And I wrote two races to live. <laughs> There's also a line here somewhere. I forget who says it, but he says the chancellor will not be able to control the thousands of star systems without keeping the Senate intact. Which Isn't that the first that, thing he does yeah. in episode four? Yeah, yeah. Well, but, but he it's like 20 years later for 20 years and then he yeah. dissolves the Senate. You know, but it, it does seem clearly a setup line to be like, all right, we're going to get back to this. And like, yeah. uh, well, it's, it's, a, it's a tie back to, well, how how will we get, you know, fear will keep the local systems in line. Fear of what? Fear of this battle station, but it's not built yet. So, you know, you got to keep the keep Senate, the Senate around. around just for 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 fun. It takes him a hell of a long time to build that battle station. It the is. They, bu- they uh, built the know. new one in like a couple of years, but. No, they built them both at the same time, clearly. What, well, why pay for one when, when you build can one build two for twice, twice the price? price. Yes, so thank it's, you. It's, it's, it's like pharmaceuticals. <laughs> you know, the first Death Star takes it costs 80 trillion the second one costs only 18 cents plus they didn't really finish the second one no they didn't exactly. they just made it operational but it was still pretty much just superstructure it was, it was like Fly the, through the superstructure my comment about anakin killing all the uh the the sad racist trade trade federation folks is the if you the best he's standing out on that balcony then he's all cowled up and supposed to look angry and it zooms in and you see a he's single, crying a yes. single tear oh, he yeah. didn't cry about yeah, slaughtering he's broken up about killing new gun these guys he's like, man yeah. that was the, that was across the line killing the kids was fine i went back yeah. to pad me five minutes later and i was like yeah everything's gonna be fine but i kept to kill nude gunray and it really upset me <laughs> i had a new gunray action figure I knew, i've known him since i was a little kid you are Jedi now, Annie? No, no. <laughs> I remember when you were small and you destroyed my ship accidentally. Yeah, exactly. No, then there's a scene in which he finally like collect, like opens his mail that's been piling up. Congratulations, and the Jedi Council confers upon you the title of Master. Sorry it took us so long, but you know we've been busy. Like, ah, oh, damn it. 
And the title of Weepiest Sith Lord goes to... Oh. Yeah, there are a lot of Iron Eyes Cody moments in Anakin's uh, <laughs> shots here. He's very distressed about all the litter in the galaxy. Everybody decides to go to Lava World. I like that, that Padme <laughs> says, besides 3PO will look after me. Least reassuring words yeah. ever. Yeah. Right? <laughs> 3PO really gets short shrift in this movie, doesn't he? Does, yeah. does he have like three lines in the whole yeah, thing? Yeah, no puns. He works and I don't lot, like his though. puns, but for Pete's sake. Also, Obi-Wan stows away in the John of the ship. Yeah. <laughs> Is yeah. that where he's at? I also like whenever they, whenever the Jedi use their force powers to close doors, it is my favorite thing ever. Cause it's yeah. like, he could just push, push the button, but he, wants, he just, could just close yeah. the door. Mm-hmm. The, uh, this is where I, I really kind of run out of any um, respect for or like of Padme. Well, here's here's one thing you have to respect, okay? She's going to give birth in a matter of hours to full seemingly, to, to two seemingly full-term babies, and... And she prances down the walkway of that ship like like she is light as a feather. Yeah. Like she's like, I'm going to give birth in hours. And but look, doop, doop, doop. you know, I, I mean, she's not very big. It's fine. She's supposed to be pregnant with twins. Doesn't really quite work. But she's just running around. So she is a superwoman. So in this scene, again, trying to set up Anakin as a different character than we've actually seen. He says, we could overthrow the emperor, emperor yeah. and rule together where, as where, father where and does mother. Where for power come from? Nowhere. Yeah, but, and, and but her response to that is, I don't believe what I'm hearing, and I'm not sure why, because this kind of fascist rambling is pretty par for the course for what Anakin has busted out in their political discussions so far. I thought yeah. that was just Natalie Portman saying that. Yeah, right. No, he, no, this is this is the best. This is the best meaning the worst line in the movie. Where in, in this scene, you know, George is like, "What we need to have happen here is that Anakin needs to break Padme's heart." And, <laughs> okay, Padme line ready, pa- Anakin. You're breaking my heart. You can't just write that. You have to show us. You can't just. I say, don't know you anymore. Stop you now. Can't Come make back. The person I love say you. That you. Like it's the lazy breaking of all the heart. things that you need to show on scene. Showing someone breaking someone's heart is not hard to do. Like no. it's pretty darn easy. Like of all the, it's not very subtle. But have her to have her say the lines. Like you don't understand how writing works. What are you doing? And the delivery is different too. Like I wrote down my note here was saying versus acting, and so it really is just like these people are just reading lines. These are actors who signed a three picture deal. <laughs> they boy, they were regret. That after picture one, they can't get out of it. The only way this line works is if she's sarcastic. Oh, Anakin, you're breaking my heart. That's the only way that line works. Is written. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's really 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 bad. So he force chokes her. Um, my allegiance is to democracy. Most boring democracy versus tyranny. There's another great line. If you're not with me, you're my enemy. Yeah, right. right. He, he can't he can't say you're against me because he didn't want to do a cliche. Right. The line that immediately follows that is this. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. I hate to tell you, Obi-Wan, but that's an absolute, you knob. <laughs> exactly. Which is like un- unintentionally. Yeah, the unintentional un- <laughs> irony from that is <laughs> unself-aware, completely unself-aware. Yeah, George Lucas or whoever ghost wrote that line, but I'm going to say George Lucas. How do you not realize that as you're writing that? Oh, this is a really good line. So Here's the thing about this movie. It's like we talk about like we saw on the bad movies, things where we watch the core and stuff like if you show a normal person this movie, they will laugh. At scenes that are not supposed to be funny, because you can't like <laughs> yeah. they're not they don't know they're supposed to have any reverence or Star Wars or anything. They'll watch it and they'll laugh at it the way you laugh at a bad movie. And the only reason we're not able to do that is because we're so upset that they ruined right. this, you know, this movie. <laughs> that a single tear is pouring down your face oh. as you stare at the screen. Yeah, that's right. Just the single tear. Well, and what what I say is. I don't like this movie. That's because you're so in love, Jason. No. Let's take a break to tell you about one of our sponsors, The Incomparable, sponsored this week by Wealthfront. 
the automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. Wealthfront software manages your money using investment strategies that were previously only available to the wealthiest investors for just one quarter the cost of using a traditional advisor. Wealthfront monitors your account 24-7, automatically rebalancing your portfolio, reinvesting dividends, and working to maximize your after-tax returns. Wealthfront is also overseen by a team of investment experts, the same experts who launched the Index Fund Revolution and who've written some of the most important books in finance. In case you're still not convinced, you should know that Wealthfront manages over $2 billion in client assets and has saved millions of dollars on taxes for its clients. So with Wealthfront watching over your investments every day, what will you do with all your extra time? Visit Wealthfront.com, W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T.com slash Snell to get your first $10,000 managed for free. And I've always wanted to do this. Here's the fine print. Wealthfront Incorporated is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risks, and there is the possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read the full disclosure. How'd I do? All right, back to the show. So let's see. if you're, There's a duel, then. Suffice it to say there's a duel. I, I, I don't think we can suffice it to say, because this lightsaber well, battle reminded me of so nothing so much as Man of Steel. Remember Man of Steel when you have uh, the action figures banging against yeah. each other? Yeah. This lightsaber battle is, like, at this point, you're totally, you're totally signed out. You're totally checked out because of, like, the ridiculousness of this entire thing. And, like, they're going to hit lightsabers against each other repeatedly for a long time with no dialogue, pretty much. Like, they don't talk to it. They talk a little bit in the beginning, and then it's like... Bang, bang, bang. It's just like, oh, They're bouncing God, around. It, it was, it, it's Man of Steel all over again. Any drama this saber battle might have had is completely dissipated by about around minute 40. Not, not short enough it was, is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> you know, the lightsaber battle at the end of episode one isn't bad. And this is not that. This is, no. is, part of it is being drained of any interest in these characters. Part of it is that it is like video game figures banging up against each other. Um, I also feel that at some point right around here, maybe when Steve cited a little bit earlier where it's sort of like nothing good happens past this point, I feel like the movie shifts from being the obligatory list of references to the, we now, we've this is the part we wrote early that we knew was going to be the end of the trilogy. And then everything else is backfilled to that moment. I feel like we're in that moment now where now we're completely on rails and everything yep. is just obligatory. It has to be this way. I wrote in a fanzine in 1978 that Darth Vader lost, you know, was scarred in lava. And so there has to be a lava planet and there has to be a battle and it is all yes. obligatory. Well, back to the point. dots. And it has to be bigger. It's like it's like the bad version of Return of the Jedi where they're like, we need an even bigger space battle. And I think they pulled that off. It's like, this needs to be the biggest lightsaber battle. They yeah. The most banging of lightsabers together. And they did that for sheer number of times two lightsabers hit each other this probably is the record but it's just monotonous and there's no pace to it and like i said they don't even talk to each other for half the scene compare it to like the you know empire strikes back scene with the, with a battle that takes probably the same amount of time with like one ten thousandth the number of lightsaber clashes and 20 times the dialogue well should this not also be the ultimate yes decision that's the thing. it's so point, damning the decision point of these characters well there's one there's one moment in this that just makes me completely it it, it, it like anakin it breaks my heart uh, for the poor visual <laughs> effects guys, because there's that moment where they're they're clashing and they're they're standing on some sort of a pipe or something, and their lightsabers meet, and then there's like a gigantic wave of lava that shoots up behind them, and yeah. I can't see that and not think if this film had been done right, how absolutely 
beautiful that scene would have been and how mm-hmm. moving yeah. and amazing it would have been. And instead, it's just completely wasted on this piece of crap. This okay, we've got a we've got an awesome fight. That's great. Lots of banging of lightsabers against other lightsabers. The whole point of this fight should be this is the final moment, not in lightsabers, but in characters where Obi-Wan yes. and, and uh Anakin are making their final arguments with each other, right? And that argument should be about, well, the Jedi is the Jedi is better, you need to rethink this and all of that. And instead, it's just we're we're enemies now. Let's fight and see who wins. And it's a it's a it's a shame. This should, this is the tragic core of the story. Except it's not. It's just another lightsaber battle. Even more than that, Jason, I think it comes down to the personal relationship. These guys, you know, in a in a ham fistedly delivered line from Obi Wan later, these guys are best friends. These guys yeah. are brothers. And this the tragedies. And that's <laughs> it's the falling out of two people who are like really good friends. And that happens. And it's so like again, like John's point about the like breaking your heart scene like that's something that is not hard to show but we want to feel that these guys who have suffered and been through so much together have just finally come to this these loggerheads and like the only way to get that out is that they're physically going to fight and and yet none of that it's totally robbed of any emotion it's a damn shame and how much more meaning that would have if if uh if anakin had sort of gradually moved to a sort of semi-reasonable position on the Sith instead of killing younglings. Right. Yes. Uh, also, I am um, I'm reminded again to go back to the original trilogy of, you know, when last we met, you were the master. I, I kind of wanted that here. I wanted yeah. to feel more like this battle is really Obi-Wan holding holding back because he can't bear. And, and there's a little of it, but I felt like I wanted to feel like Obi-Wan's the master here. He's got this. The only reason this goes on is he's trying very hard not to kill Anakin. He doesn't and want they, to. They have a real hard time yeah. leveling the power, um, the, like the balance in this right, thing. Of like, they're who all is, super powerful. is Mace the window the most powerful? Or what about Yoda? But Anakin's supposed to be more powerful. But in general, Obi-Wan seems more as it, you know, like they, they don't have a good, they never really establish the power hierarchy of the Jedi, despite the fact that they have explicit lines like my powers have doubled and blah but like <laughs> it's an 83 on the midichlorian scale it doesn't make sense how they stack up to each other which makes these which makes these scenes unclear again you know is obi-wan holding back is palpatine holding back is like you you never quite know where is the hierarchy of power was so much clearer in the original trilogy where you knew like what you know you knew how how it went emperor then vader then luke and like and, and it was borne out and like you didn't think that uh that Luke was holding back and he could have defeated Vader and Empire. He wasn't like, it was so clear. And this, it just, it, you know, it, it makes the, it makes you not care about them banging lightsabers. Because they save like the thing for the end where he actually says the lines of like, we were supposed to be friends. Like, yeah, yeah all right, fine. Bad writing or whatever. But you just spent 20 minutes boring me by hitting your lightsabers together before you got to that scene. You could have been doing that while you were fighting or in between. And because the choreography could have been more impressive in the, instead of having the visual effects come center, like the, some of the stuff makes no sense here. Obi-Wan takes like a tactical retreat onto like a pylon or something they're, like yeah, that. And then they jump onto, onto floating things. Well, they're robots. They're robots that are doing the work at the in the planet which makes it even dumber because apparently yeah i i, I was thinking that like flying droids with buckets seems like the least efficient way to do anything with <laughs> well and then what but, are the odds that the flying bucket and the other flying platform happen to stay within lightsaber yeah, range of each yeah, other for the yeah. next 20 yeah. minutes well, they, they want to see a good fight too so that, you know they're <laughs> <laughs> oh sweet but it's row. the it's the eight-year-old approach again like oh you know it'd be awesome yeah. over lava they're on platforms and they're fighting no, not, not just that it's 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 fight choreography done by whoever it is who's doing the video game design because can't you remember what was it episode two in which Amidala is doing that 
uh, I'm sorry, uh, in which uh, Padme is doing the thing where she she let she she finds herself like in a super mario land level yes. where she has to jump over the swing thing then duck down and then swing the and then it's, it's a left yeah. to right scroller thing it's A-B-A-B. like that, that's the problem yeah i'm surprised we don't get a donkey kong sound effect in here somewhere <laughs> we've already had the tarzan so thing. does anybody want to talk about uh, the tactical uh, high ground that you i am now i've got the high ground now oh, yeah. anakin you know like darth maul did that one time yeah well, see, yeah and, and they have like they have this whole 20 minute scene of lightsaber battle and like they just didn't know how to end it they're like okay well this has to come to a conclusion somehow and it's like i can't think of anything so i'm just on have a hill them stop have them stop talk to each other establish a nonsensical premise that will lead to the final event which will be that obi-wan wins like they might as well have just said, okay, now the fight must end, and the script says I should win, so pl- you can cut off my limbs now. <laughs> they might as well have done that. It was right. so stupid. Yeah. And and, uh, and the <sighs> other thing that we should address, I want to talk about Yoda versus Palpatine, but we'll do that in a minute. The other thing we need to address here is the fact that uh, I don't really want to hurt you, but you're going to make me. But once I've cut off your legs and you're burning to death, I'm just going to take a walk. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, so here's the thing is like, I actually like Obi-Wan's speech. It's not the best. It's not well written, but it, there is an element of genuineness. And Ewan McGregor actually manages to convey yes. a he certain amount of emotion that is entirely there. entirely the acting, which is then completely ruined by the fact that he shows him no mercy. Yeah. And, lets right. him and, just, and just walks away. He's like, well, you were supposed to be my brother, but I'm not going to do anything to even ease your suffering in any way. Smell you later. The stupidity of leaving the guy there to possibly survive and be turned into a semi-robot. <laughs> yeah, that, the odds are so low. Steve, I, I I will say that I I did kind of buy that because there again you did mention that this is good acting on Ian McGregor's part, but I did get the the sense that okay, well Anakin is dead. Okay, he's gone. He's dead. I'm he's never going to come back. I now owe no allegiance to this Anakin shaped thing that's in front of me. But but still at the same time, it, it's just. There is an element of it that the Jedi are supposed to be bigger than that, right? And that's what mm-hmm. we want from Obi-Wan is he's supposed to be the beggar right. man. I, th- I think the main thing is that that Anakin's character, as played by Hayden Christensen, always comes off as the younger person in the relationship. He always comes off as the whiny child. And he never he never sort of comes into his own and takes agency and becomes like, I am now actively working towards a goal counter to yours. It is always kind of like a big brother, little brother relationship where you never truly believe like, well, now you've made your choice and now you've made your bed. Now you have to lie. And it's like, and Anakin didn't make any bed. He's just a confused, stupid kid. And that's why you can, I can't buy like the the thing that Andy was saying was like it just doesn't it doesn't make sense that he would that he would say well now Anakin is dead you, you would still like the whole audience feels the whole time he's just a stupid idiot and doesn't have any idea what's going on and you well, never okay you but know, the, but the stupid idiot really left the movie when he started killing kids oh yeah that's why that doesn't make sense either but but then but then what's the point of the whole you were my brother Anakin I loved you speech I mean if he's if he thinks Anakin's gone then the the whole point of having that speech is pretty much out the window too. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that ever, all this makes like really good tight sense. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm, whoa, I'm, whoa. I'm saying I'm, it's, it's more like it really is like and this is I think this is true of like all of us as we're talking about this movie. We really are trying to piece together the wreckage of an airplane and trying mm-hmm. to figure out what happened yeah. or, we're, or or actually better yet. I think it's more like an archaeological dig where we've got all these parts that we've dug up and we think they fit together this way. And we're trying to figure out – I know this is a mess of box of like rocks and springs we're looking at, but were they trying to make an astrolabe? Were they trying to make a, a calculator device? 
and we can each try to figure out what they did. For me, I feel as though the intent of what that scene was meant to do is just as uh, Obi-Wan said in uh, in episode four, that at that po- – I'm sorry, episode five uh, in, in Empire. At the, well, at that point, by some, from a certain point of view, Anakin was dead and there was no coming back from that. I episode think um, – I keep thinking what would have made Anakin – or uh, uh, Obi-Wan abandoning him better. And I, I rather a, – a different, a different movie that led up well, to it. Could, okay, could, okay. But no, I actually think – I think it, if, if a, a bunch of clones or whatever had been – had arrived – and were um, uh, shooting at him, right? Right. And- if it was any kind of like, like that's why that's the worst thing. It's not so hard. Like you, it, you're in a movie with war. Is it getting the same thing with how Padme dies? It's so easy to kill people in a legitimate, believable manner, and yet they find these re- preposterous ways to kill major characters and have major plot points. Happen. Like it's not hard, people. I want Obi Wan to be under fire and not be able to finish the job and say maybe I'm sorry, Anakin, yeah, and and leave and leave him to the clones and know that he's yeah, not going to die and up. he's whole. Horribly, right, right. Palpatine shows up and he and he runs and and that's the end of it. But instead, it's much more like "Smell you later" or "I'm <laughs> out of here," which is just so lame. I, or at know. least think that he's dead. Like that's the other right. thing. Like if his like body like slid between the beneath the lava or something, and right. it's but like, then he would actually be totally dead. And... No, no. We learned from the we learned from the core movie that he would float. He right, would float yeah, on top of it for a while. Fine. So a uh, Yoda versus Palpatine. Um, I wanted to say that this is so this is dumb. the scene that this is the scene that I kind of like this scene, and here's why mm. I kind of like it. It is the best use of the Senate chamber set <laughs> in uh. all three movies because after seeing those stupid Senate chamber for all the boring Senate things and mm-hmm. stupid Jar Jar giving speeches and all of that, in this in this scene, all those little floating balls get hurled around with the Force during a fight between Yoda and Palpatine. And I I took like the death of Newt Gunray, I took great glee in the destruction of the boring Senate chamber in the. <laughs> in the fight it's not much of a fight and it's sort of sad that yoda ends up crawling through like a ventilation duct in, in order in to pajamas. escape yeah uh, he's in his little yoda pajamas he's so it, cute yeah we've seen two fights at this point where the great master yoda frankly kind of blows at lightsabering he's he's completely failed to take down uh count dooku and now he completely fails to do anything against palpatine right well he didn't completely fail as other people pointed out he fights him to a draw by himself so it seems sure. like if he had one or two other people with him he would have the upper hand and they'd take care of this guy but then he crawls off with his tail between his legs yoda doesn't have a tail we never see yoda win a lightsaber fight is what i'm saying if you're gonna show yoda doing lightsaber fights which i think is a bad idea to begin with have him win one. Yeah, he's supposed to be badass. Uh, it was a, it was more or less a draw. He didn't win, but yeah, like I don't. And the, the problem after that is his reaction is like, well, now I guess I have to go into exile. It's like you were so close. That was basically a draw, and you were by yourself. If only you had brought Obi Wan with you, but he had to go to Lava World. Well, Palpatine also was by himself. I should point out. Yeah. So it was pretty even technically. The whole thing is just, I don't know, I find it ridiculously silly. I find that the whole Senate chamber, I agree that the Senate chamber is ridiculous. Although this time, for the first time, as the they ride the little Chancellor platform upwards, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that is actually really unsafe. Like, what if he, the Chancellor <laughs> fell off of that? There's a force himself. field, maybe. Yeah, there's, a lot, there's a lot of pointy things in the chamber. It's mm-hmm. also kind of ridiculous that they just somehow end up rising up through the floor. It's got a real Marx Brothers feel to it at that point. Well, you think that's good? It's the swinging on ropes during the Anakin-Obi-Wan <laughs> fight that really got me. Like, oh, right. that is swing on ropes. Yeah, <laughs> Didn't make the Tarzan noise that time. Let, let's be honest. This is the Star Wars equivalent of the chase through the warehouse in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom Ooh. of the Crystal Skull, uh. right? It, other than the fact that 
Raiders of the Lost Ark is a treasure and Star and Star Wars Episode One is not. And so but it is that it is the wacky, slapsticky, overblown fight scene that demolishes a set that you know from a previous movie. It's the same thing. You have to also realize that they had to fix this whole Senate chamber because the Senate isn't dissolved for like another, for another 20 years. years. Well, I think maybe the Senate just has to use the broken chamber for the next 20 years. And, and nobody's like, what happened here? Was our emperor involved in some sort of strange lightsaber yeah. battle? Can we dissolve the Senate now? Nope. Nope. Got to keep senating. If your saucer was one of the ones destroyed, you have to sit on the bleachers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we also get the great mind-bending line, at an end your rule is, and not short enough it oh, was. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like Lucas just lost track of how to make Yoda talk and not sound ridiculous. <laughs> I do like the scene where he walks in and the Imperial Guards are there. Again, a great instance of Palpatine having tailored those costumes for them already. They're ready to and go. And he just sort of yeah. dispatches them immediately. Right, they were they were so excited to finally get to wear them. <laughs> yeah, Jim, it's my first day on the job. Oh, this is pretty great. I like this helmet thing. Oh, God, I've been killed by Yoda. Break out the red outfits. Yeah, surprise, we have you know, planet of tailors. Oh, they're tailors. They've got great <laughs> red outfits. It's oh, the right tailors. down the street from the cloner planet. So does anybody wonder, to jump back to uh, Anakin Palpatine, does anyone wonder why Palpatine bothers to save him? I mean, he's mostly dead at that point. It's like you can just uh, he, get another he's one. Out the of prophecy. The chosen it's the one. Prophecy. He made him out of midichlorians. It's his, he's his guy. That's his son, dude. And now he's got all the power in the world over him because he's going to be this totally messed up uh, guy now. Yeah. Also, oh. he's he's got he's got he's got a lot of power to ma- manipulate the force. He's a good guy to have. Oh, also, again, a piece a piece we sift from a much better movie. He actually legitimately likes him and sees so. sees in him something he can really cultivate. Also, I my tailors have designed this black suit that's really <laughs> yeah, awesome. Exactly. You don't find a minion this stupid every single day, man. Put him in Ugh. the medical capsule, and they put him in a medical that thing, and they tr- they like wheel him along, and it's a thing that's totally open to the elements. And I feel like he gets like rained on in one scene. I'm like, if this guy's been like half burned to death, I don't think you want to let him get rained on. Seriously, Anakin, I was just kidding about the younglings. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, we've got we basically got a couple of scenes left to go. Um <laughs> and they're really tough. So we're gonna just here we go. Here we go. So everything must go. So every for, reference that we don't have. So for reasons we can't explain, Padme has lost the will to live. <laughs> the plot demands she dies. No, so for reasons we can't explain, we are losing her. If my if my medical robot says to me for reasons we can't explain we are losing her, I buy another medical New, robot. Yeah. Because that robot is terrible. Oh come on though, that medical robot says Uba. Uba, yeah, the Uba robot soothing to... way. Apparently, it doesn't know how to speak English. And then uses this giant spatula hand to scoop <laughs> out the baby. <laughs> That's like a it's like a, a see-through Wii remote that it's got. It's like a highlight thing. <laughs> Take that baby out and whip it against the wall really I'll fast. So she dies of movie disease basically, which is because yeah. she needs to die, she dies, which is in- incredibly stupid. Campbell's law for movie for, for for heroic dames. The dame has to die so that the hero seems to leave a little more corrupted by it. Chapter twelve. It's right there, black and white. Okay, <laughs> easy fix for this problem. What if she had been slowly dying throughout the entire movie? Like, what if we find out in an early scene that she has a fatal disease? She can be killed in the war that's going on with people with guns and lightsabers. If we set her up as like in the in the first scene is like she's got this terrible disease or something. At least Anakin has legitimate yeah. reasons to do everything. It's like she's actually dying, not just like I had a dream about maybe her dying. Anakin could accidentally stab her when she's hiding behind a curtain. Anything could happen. <laughs> Anything could happen. 
but th- but that doesn't happen. It's that's really frustrating. Um, but she does she does have the droid midwives deliver uh, a baby girl and a while baby boy, everybody is watching it, which is super creepy. Yeah, <laughs> Bail Organa, Yoda, and Obi Wan are all standing outside a transparent transparent window, just like checking it out. She has the the mecha modesty skirt though. Yeah, what yeah. is with the delivery room with the uh, the one way glass? It, it looks totally comfortable. That's that's. I'm sure any woman would love to deliver while sitting on a metal slab with a metal chain thing covering. It's just you know, movie Long crazy time movie ago, modesty. Galaxy far, far away. Does not look comfortable. I don't even think uh, she can get her legs far enough apart to squeeze a baby out. Also, how does nobody figure out that she's having twins before this yeah, point? I was saying, again. Their OB technology sucks. They keep returning to a singular baby. And yet when two show up, they're not too surprised. But it's like... It's she like, has names for both of them ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was if if it's a boy, it's going to yeah, be... Yeah, and of course, they couldn't Luke. tell that either. She wanted to be surprised. It's a girl. It'll be Leia. Oh, it's both. Yay. Oh, I've got to die now. But I gave them <laughs> my names before I died. Now i got to die. <laughs> uh, Fortunate, which just... It, it is... This is This is like the height of movie. This is like... I mean, like babies being delivered in movies is not a great track record. They're often very large and, you know, six months old and all of these things. And they come out in like a minute. They're perfectly clean. Okay, but Lucas has all of the CGI in the world at his disposal. Couldn't he have done something? It would have been, it would not have been clean enough. Don't encourage him him to make CG babies. They do that on Children (laughs) of Men, I think. Yeah, all all the CGI in the world can't fix the script, though. And that's the problem here is that she needs to die, and there's no good reason for her to die. And so she just dies. There's plenty of good reasons. They just didn't choose any of them. You can kill her in so many ways. You don't need her to die inexplicably. She dies of being sad. She's got her babies, but that's not good enough. She's sad, so she dies. But fortunately, Jimmy Smits and his wife will take the girl. Honey, I'm home, and I brought you that baby. Not that stinky boy, but they'll take the girl. (laughs) Boy, it would be crazy if there had been an accidental switch. Mm, Jimmy Smith. <laughs> so, um, the I, I got you there. I got you. Uh, thank you. So she gets to be. So so let's get this straight. Leia gets to go to Alderaan. Beautiful. We get to see beautiful Alderaan. Don't buy real estate there. <laughs> and um and uh, gets to be a princess and be awesome on Alderaan. Whereas I will take the boy to Tatooine, where he will be in the sand and fixing crap. Tatooine's no place for a woman. Now, did, did he call ahead? Because I'm not even sure they've got a space phone in their little Tatooine. I, I feel bad hovel. for Owen and Baru, because what if they wanted to have their own kids? Now it's like, oh, we were going to have our own kids. We're kind of of the right age, but now I guess we got to take it. And it seems like they never do have their own kids, as far no. as we can tell. It do. Well, it's like he just he shows up with the baby tucked into his robe, and he's like, hey, Baru, I got some for you. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to go Surprise. into too much detail about why I'm bringing you this baby, but here. No, nothing to worry about. Very little chance that this little tyke might someday cause you to be torched alive in your little sand igloo here. <laughs> I like that Jimmy Smith is totally like, uh, so we got two kids. Dibs on the girl. I'll take it. Yep. We'll take the uh, girl. Also, sending sending Luke to his family under his own name. I read a yeah. theory a while back about like how Obi-Wan just totally uses Luke as bait for Darth Vader. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're just going to put him out here with his family. We're going to leave him called Luke Skywalker. We're just going to sit around and wait for Darth Vader to show up and kill this kid. It's yeah, like it's hiding it, in plain well, sight. It's it's the it's the 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 first off they tell him uh, the Emperor tells him that he killed her. Okay, that is actually cool. I like that. That is one bit that I like, is I like that the Emperor lies to him and tells him that you killed him, because I feel like that is a great capper. But he said, but again, he, I don't like it because he's being duped again. It's like, well, he knows that he didn't actually kill her. She was alive when he left, and he's like, but I guess I accidentally killed her and couldn't tell, because like, of course you could tell if you killed her. You, you didn't kill her. She was. He doesn't know that she's that she was alive when he left. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 he choked her into unconsciousness and I know, she but he head. has the force. He can tell when she's dead. 
dead or no. not. It's the woman mm. he loves. No one with the Force can tell that. anything in this movie, John. Well, no, no, no. The Force does not do that because we see Obi-Wan actually take her pulse at one point. Yeah, but they also, the Force always lets, them, lets the Jedis put their hands on the heads of people who are injured and make them better. Obi-Wan does it in A New Hope. It gets done a couple times here in this movie. There's all sorts of head padding. To, uh. I don't, it just doesn't, it, it's another example of, of him being duped. And I think that's okay. Make- I think I think that's okay. Again, in that different movie, I think that's okay because it sort of completes his transition. Like now, there is nothing left for him, you know. And so we've got that story, which comes from the Emperor. But meanwhile, Obi Wan and Yoda have crafted this other story, which is we are we are going to hide the boy in plain sight on Tatooine, and uh, Obi Wan's going to be nearby, but not train him or do anything other than hang out. <laughs> BT Dubs, remember Liam Neeson? Oh, well, well, hold on, hold on. Okay, so so um. So and then meanwhile there is another right so we've got her stashed away somewhere else um but then before Yoda goes he says he says Qui-Gon has figured out how to become a ghost <laughs> <laughs> You should talk to him about it. It's totally cool. Yeah, it's awesome. What the heck even was that? Because that, like, well, that's like our our. So that's how Obi Wan talked to Luke all along. He learned it from the Ghost of Qui Gon. They have three movies and they didn't show that anywhere. And it's like, well, we know in the original trilogy, there's all sorts of ghost talking from Ben. Uh, and if it, they have three movies to either establish that as a normal Jedi thing yeah. or make it a special thing, and they waited to the last thirty seconds of the third movie. They actually talk about that. Like when Episode One came out, I remember reading an interview. Where he's like, oh yeah, you see Qui-Gon dies, but you still see his body. We're gonna explain why he doesn't join the force like Obi-Wan does. And like I remember waiting for that. And they literally shoehorn it into the last two minutes yeah. of the movie and don't even yeah. really explain it. It's no. hilarious. It's just one of those things that did not need an explanation. No. no. Well, just just like that missing planet that you know they went into the Jedi Library to find oh, out right. about. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, Camino. How did, why did they erase that? Well, you know, it was a computer error. But anyway, well, at this um, point, we don't have any intern. young youngs to ask the answer. No, from no. So, so, so Qui Gon, who we've never heard from or seen, is apparently still talking to Yoda and has become a ghost. Clone Wars, yeah, not to, but not to his apprentice, who I think we established right. he hates at the in the first film. <laughs> yeah. So they leave. So they leave the droids in the care of uh, of the captain. Wiping 3PO's mind. Well, they have, they have Padme's funeral, where she's very creepily holding the thing a child Anakin gave her, and we're supposed to feel like this is a romantic sign of loss. <laughs> it just made me think about the creepy age difference again. I didn't <laughs> want to think about that. I always think that that close-up is, hey, look, we've made her look pregnant so that no one thinks she's yeah, had the that baby. Is, that is what it is, yeah. <laughs> Wait, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and we see Jar Jar at the funeral, and we're reminded that it's all Jar Jar's fault. Yes. <laughs> Accurate. The droid thing. Why wipe only 3PO's brain? R2-D2, like, laughs at it. Yeah, no, it's like, R2-D2 can't talk. He just does those bleeps and bloops that no one except for every protocol droid yeah. in the universe can understand. Exactly. R2 might be important. I just like the idea that R2-D2 spends the rest, like, the next 20 years griefing C-3PO about, remember that time we did? Oh, you wouldn't remember, <laughs> no, would you? If, if, if R2-D2 could roll his eyes, they would be constantly rolling. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, 3PO. I feel like he says hee-hoo a lot in the next couple of years. Poor Captain Antilles. Two last things to do. Okay, first off, we need to we need to address. Not only does the emperor say in your anger you killed her, but uh, we get to hear James Earl Jones ask uh, about about Padme uh, in the famous Darth Vader oh, voice, God. and yes, then we get dot, and then we get the moment, which is after he discovers that Padme is dead. Darth Vader, badass <laughs> villain of the universe, says no. no! No. But it's, it's not 
incomplete without the stumble out of his little his little prison table. Oh, yeah. He breaks out all Franken- Frankenstein's monster style. He totally he, Frankenstein's. Yeah. yeah. I, see, here's the thing. I thought it would be so much cooler if we saw it like a primitive version of his armor, like not yes. having him just uh-huh. become like, I'm Darth Vader, remember me? But like... like your, cre- your action figure, remember that? Yeah. Taylor's. Yeah. They had the padded awesome. suit and the mask and the stuff all ready to go, unless they've got like some 3D printers in the back or something. Or that's a standard mask and they're like eight guys who've got breathing problems using <laughs> yeah. the same thing. Uh, yeah, that's just a sleep apnea mask. It's this cool. is another place where I, 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 I wish to myself that the prequels hadn't sucked so bad because the shot of the mask sliding into place and the breathing starting up would have been really, really great. I agree. If this film had been done. If it had right. been earned. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, I, it wasn't. I think I wrote, I wrote in my notes, that's the capper, man. Like, it's the point where it's like, oh, it's just, this really happened. This is yeah. actually how this all played out. Yeah. This is actually canon. Ugh. Uh, I drink the entire bottle of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of the no, no drinking game. Is after you see the scene, just drink until you pass out. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think the, the scene the scene this movie ends with is the real capper to to the movie is the appropriate end. But I I, I just I, I just remember like exactly right in that when I was in that theater again rewriting the movie as you go. But this was almost like a painful thing to watch. Like that's not what happens. He doesn't yeah. go. No, <laughs> no it's like not. if you really want to. You're not my Vader. If you, <laughs> if you really want to set him up for episode four, he pauses for a second and then says good. Oh, that would be pretty oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. See? But no, because then he's Darth Vader. And, and this is my, from my opening statement, this is not, this not, this is not Darth Vader. And in 20 years of, of going around and kicking around because he got fooled into doing this and his wife died and now he's trapped in this suit, right. I just don't feel like that, the, the glee that Darth Vader brings to being the enforcer of the Emperor's will across the galaxy and strangling people for displeasing him. I just I have a hard time drawing a line from this guy to that guy. It doesn't exactly. exist. An- Anakin never grows up. Anakin never becomes an adult. He's always the little kid, the little brother, the kid who like he never becomes fully adult, and the and he just replaces one authority figure with another. He never becomes Darth Vader. He he really is like that kid in that Volkswagen Super Bowl ad. That's what I really think. Like <laughs> yes he yes he's dressed like yes he's dressed like Darth Vader, but he's not Darth Vader. Yeah, that's cute, honey. That's cute, honey. Like I like your Darth Vader costume. That, that kid had more gusto than this Vader. <laughs> it's really more like the kid who got crushed by the flat screen TV. <laughs> Can I mention the uh, creepy Tarkin stand-in at the yes, end there please. too? Because yes, oh, yeah. please. Because so the, uh, the the other scene we've got is we've got the Darth Vader on the ship, and we've got the guys and they're out in their Death Star outfits, and we see the structure or the frame of the Death Star being built. It took twenty years to build that thing, but only a couple of minutes to blow it up. <laughs> um, and there's a weird. There, I thought it was a guy who's supposed to put you in the mind of Tarkin, but they made up a guy to look like Peter Cushing. They made well, him up they, a they lot. Tried. They look like Peter Cushing's corpse, maybe well, like a CGI <laughs> model, rubber well, model. They could have saved a lot of time then. I I was really curious about it so i googled this guy and i'm like he looks nothing like him and but there's all these pictures online of like the tar- like an actual promo shot of him as tarkin he's not identified as such in dialogue only in the credits he appears yeah. for what 10 seconds maybe look at all the time they spent making him up to look like a character just so we can have that link remember those movies you love yeah and so between that darth vader standing on the bridge of a star destroyer equivalent uh, the Tantaviv 4, like, you know, the scene in there, we have all these things that are like, all right, we're wrapping it up. Yeah. Let's get everything back. And then the capper, which is we're going to stand on Tatooine in the exact same spot that Luke will stand 20 years from now. No, they're not going to stand on Tatooine. This this is why it was the capper. Uh, binary Sunset, 
was outdoors. This looks for all the world like they're in front of a green screen. But it's it's the transparent attempt to call back yes. to the best scene in the entire trilogy. Oh yeah, no, they're trying to do that, but I think it's emblematic of like they took a scene that was like one of the most naturalistic scenes yeah. of a New Hope, right? Where it was actual someone in in you know wherever it was Tanzania, At the or actual whatever, binary standing outside Tunisia, yeah. on location, <laughs> and they said, "How can we rekindle that magic?" I know. Green screen. No, that's not how you do it. So basically, they, they <laughs> effed it up to the very last drop. But you can see what they're trying to do here, right? This is your montage of memories from the beginning of Star Wars, and we're going yeah, to no, wrap it up. It, and I, just... I can totally see Luke on Tatooine with the binary sunset as the last so- shot of the movie. You know, very early on, they're like, that's the last shot of the movie. We just have to get there. It shouldn't be too hard, right? It'll be okay. Yeah, we can right. get there, right? <laughs> we did so well with the first two movies. We got this one, right? Close your eyes. Think of Star Wars. <laughs> it's just so it's so ham fisted is especially the thing for me. And I and I don't understand why they did green screen. Like they had location shooting there, didn't they? They for, they left and oh, forgot yeah. to get that shot. Oh crap, we forgot to put that one in the schedule. Oh, we'll just do it in post. And I don't I don't know if it's all green screen. I think some of it may be location, but there are definitely shots in that that for all the world look like they're in front of a green screen because they're light. Well, there's is no totally way they got off. Lucas at the Tunisia again. No, my understanding that. was that they shot those scenes during the shooting of episode two, two in Tunisia. Yeah. They just they knew yeah. those scenes really? were going to be in there and they dropped him in yeah but, but it then it's it digitally it fails. processed and... it fails it fails on so many levels it's a microcosm of it, fail. it's that's what i said it's emblematic of the failings of, of, of in this you know not just the plot failings but this is emblematic of the aesthetic failings of the movie with all the the cg unnecessary cg and people in front of green screens and failing to evoke emotions by doing something in a way that is not naturalistic yeah we think we can we think we can improve upon what is natural by like carefully controlling every single element that goes into it to make a perfect thing right but whereas what was great about the original in some way were its flaws where it's natural like the things that were limitations of the time that meant that they had to find workarounds that would that's what made that one succeed when it turns out when you can control the entire environment everything feels sterile and dumb well let's see if they could do it better if they could make it so i thought they were on location more power to them but they couldn't they could they didn't pull it off right it's like i don't mind them trying to say we're never going to get this perfect magic hour sunset so we'll make one up if you can convince me that they're really there i'll buy it but if you can't convince me don't do it just shoot them on location you just gotta you know you gotta do what you gotta do to uh, anyway this this is such a minor point in a movie that has so many major things wrong with it but it's just like one little stab it's like by the way we can screw up scenes in in big ways and small and here's just one little sharp poke with a stick before we leave Never have I been less excited to hear the jaunty Star Wars end music than at the end of episode three. <laughs> yeah. Yay, it's over. And I, and I kept thinking, ugh, just like, ugh, why did I, that's well, it? You spent the last hour and 20 yeah. minutes being punched in the face yeah. with, with no respite <laughs> of any kind. When you're praying for stupid C-3PO puns. I know, I know. You know you've been ruined. That completely. is bad. That's a bad place to be. I felt mm-hmm. I felt dirty, but I did actually wonder where the terrible C-3PO puns were. Or Anthony Daniels. Like I said, I checked out after episode two, so I spent all of episode three pretty much checked out. And yeah. it's just like, it kind of rolls yeah. over me and just I wake up long enough to be angry about bad writing and stupidity, but it's just like, they they didn't do anything to make me like I remember watching this in the theater for the very first time and like I wasn't trying to be standoffish I wasn't being like oh, I'm going to go in and I'm going to hate this like I'm I'm you know I'm paying to see the movie I'm willing to be to let the movie take me but it never even it never even made a little like tentative gesture towards my heartstrings and like it didn't even come close it was just like I mean part of that is me my you know hang ups part of that is the first two movies maybe being unfair to it but just like looking at the movie again. 
without all those hangups, I felt like it still didn't grab me. Like I said, the closest it got was maybe like the opera scene where you see some good performances. And then, as Andy said, we just spend the rest of the movie making your own movie in your head that would have been better than this. Yeah. The weird thing for me is that it didn't even like episode one. I'm, I actually liked, but I realized that I, I, I admit this outright. So much of that fondness is because of nostalgia. With episode three, it wasn't even value to me as a nostalgia piece. It was this. What this wasn't Star Wars. This wasn't. These weren't characters that I really liked, and I couldn't even really evaluate this as bad storytelling. It's like you hear that. You hear the that the the line that this the, this is so wrong. It's not even wrong. It's how that's how not right this is. Uh do does anybody want to place this? Among the sequel, among the the prequels, it, it, where does this one rank? What what's the what's the best and the worst? I mean, there is this common thought out there that uh, this is the somehow the best of the of the prequels. Uh, I know we've heard no, some some that. some no. Opi- no opinion here. I, I I'll I'll go first and I'll say you know what for all the terrible things about Episode One, I think kind of that Episode One is the best one only because in some ways it's not as offensive. It is a dumb kids movie the family movie but you know it's got the the and the pod race goes on too long but the i can i can actually like recall what happens in episode one and it's got some things that are okay and it and it's got some things that are bad and that like groundwork for worse but in the grand scheme of things having revisited all of them now i kind of think it's the least offensive of the bunch it also has the benefit of being the one that you can completely separate from star wars in your mind yeah yep. really Mm-hmm. Well, I can I can separate all three of them, but it's even more so. Like I said, because yeah. the child the child Anakin doesn't even connect with the adult Anakin, so it's like this no, whole other thing world. that took place in a movie that happened to have lightsabers. I, I can go I can go better than that. And that the I, it's I think that Episode One is my favorite of the three, and I think it's actually again I, I actually enjoyed it partly because even if we divorced it completely from Star Wars, I can name a bunch of scenes that I absolutely love. Like the opening scenes where if you, you, we we see Qui Gon and uh, and Anakin uh, Anakin and Obi Wan for the first time, and they are absolute badass jedi which we have never seen we've we we're used to the elderly well we don't give in to hatred now we're going to think very carefully and it's like no they're badasses who will plunge a lightsaber through a three foot three foot what uh, thick door and carve a hole in it to get at the people on the other side of that door the 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 battle between uh between our guys and uh and darth maul I like again. It's kind of it's kind of silly to have these barriers that drop down really for no mechanical reason. But you realize that wow, this is like furious, furious hand to hand battle that has to stop. And you have you see these two groups of people that like are like caged tigers, just like waiting for this barrier to drop so that they can start fighting again. It had it had moments like that where I could say I really enjoyed those scenes. Even the art direction, I I like the whatever they shot in Italy, all those interiors and and exteriors of uh, Naboo it, that it's all that Italian architecture that it feels those felt like real spaces and were kind of interesting to look at in a way that in the later movies it's all just digital you know, imaginary digital worlds with people dropped into backdrops. And and I, I don't want to say too much positive about episode one. I don't think it's a good movie. I didn't really like it. I think I think it could have been edited much better, but um, compared to the other two. Anyway, what what other people think? Where does episode three rank among the the prequels? It's better than episode two, that's for sure. Yeah. I'm oh, having trouble placing yeah. it with episode yeah. two because like, 
I found episode three, I found them both very forgettable. But if you forced me to watch either episode two or three again, I would probably, maybe it's just because I just saw three, I would probably pick two to be forced to watch it. Like, I don't like wow. either one of them, but it's like, would if you had to pick, if some, let's leave episode one aside for a second, just rank two and three against each other. Someone said, you have to watch one of the prequels. Uh, and it's like six months from now, so you didn't just watch this one. Which one would you choose to watch, two or three? Two, because you can just kind of zone out. <laughs> Guys, I don't like sand. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but this this had the same terrible lines. Creepy the Anakin. Love there was a time that I would have said two, uh, because I really liked the the Camino stuff. But when we rewatched it, the Camino stuff doesn't look doesn't look as good now as it did back then. Now it looks just kind of crappy. But I, I get back to what Steve was saying that like the, the second half of this movie is just just entertainment it's free. It's yeah. not. It's not yeah. entertaining. I don't care yeah. about exactly. grim. I love exactly. grim. I love dark grim things. No, I this is this is grim and gritty in a good way. This is just it grim. Is just it's a death march it's like, to watch yeah. it. Yeah. It's not entertaining because I don't. It, a grim things only work if you're like if you're caught up in it. You're like, oh, this is terrible. Like if you like that type of thing, but if you're not caught up with it, it's just not entertaining. There's nothing there to entertain you. It's a tough call, but I suspect I would I would probably go with three as preferable because even though I don't enjoy watching it, especially that last hour or so, there's at least it changes up periodically. Where episode two is just video game sequence after video game sequence after video game sequence, yeah. and here with there's at least dialogue. a little bit of change in tone, a little bit of change in pace. I don't enjoy any of it, but. Episode two, honestly, it makes me avert my eyes at certain points because I'm just so tired of seeing the CGI thrust at me constantly. Creepy Anakin. I, I was, I think it was, I was thinking of episode two. What do I, what would I ever want to see again about episode two? Like, why would I possibly pick that over three? This Coliseum scene has them running away from monsters for a yeah. little bit. I'm trying to think in, in, epi- in episode three, what do, what do I scene do I have that I want to see again? Maybe the space battle. Find a cause... good thing about the movie and you get a ram chip. Yeah, maybe maybe the space battle. I'd want to see ships flying around because I like the ships. But it's like anyway. All this is to say that that I would probably put episode one above it too because I can think of two things in episode one that I want to see again: the lightsaber battle in which no one speaks and is a good lightsaber <laughs> battle. It's well, well choreographed, and I guess I like the pod race. You know, again, not a lot of dialogue, and they race around circles. And the rest of the movie is execrable. And yeah, that's I would probably say episode one is first, and then two and three are in a dead heat for a second. But I would never watch any of these. I, I think again. I think what I'd say is episode two has some better stuff in it than three, but it also has some really, Name really, it. really terrible <laughs> stuff in it. Well, um, I, I like I said, I like the rain, the rain planet yeah, scene a lot. That was good. I think the Coliseum with the monsters part is OK. Um, then, of course, all the Jedi show up and it's stupid and we've but, also got c-3po cracking jokes in the middle of a battle oh scene. my god that is so bad but so this is what i'm saying is i think there's i think there's better and worse stuff in two than in three whereas in three i look at it and i'm just like meh you know it's what, milk toast what what do i want to go back and watch in episode three and i i can't even i can't pick out a single thing i agree with you on episode one though it's not depressing and it's not entirely boring which puts it above both of the other films for me yeah Unlike us, if you are not required to watch these movies as some sort of strange yeah. podcast torture experiment by yeah. an evil mastermind, uh-huh. then you don't Thanks, have to Jason. watch these ever again. And this neither do I. I never have to watch these ever again either. This is what I was going to say is good news, everybody. You never have to watch the prequels Woo-hoo! ever burned alive. again. Yeah, that's my goal. Well, when The Force Awakens, it is going to have one hell of a hangover, is all I have to say. <laughs> Whoa, what was the last 20 years about, guys? Jeez. Oh, oh. I don't remember anything after the Ewoks. <laughs> I blacked out after the Ewoks. 
That's what it. was in that blue milk? The thing that I alluded to in the in the in the preamble to this, I have <laughs> one really good thing to thank episode three for, because when we when we're when we scheduled this, I had a dim memory that maybe I might have bought episode three on DVD, <laughs> like at a used DVD sale or something. Me too. I bought and it. So, I bought it used, uh, like five years ago, and it just sat. <laughs> and exactly, it's like it's not. It's not as. And I distinctly remember I might have bought it, but then never watched it. I just bought it because okay, for five bucks I will have it. And so I looked through like my DVD collection, couldn't find it. Then looked through that box that I have of DVDs that never made it onto the shelf, and then finally made it to well. I, I, is, I think there's like a box full of kind of DVDs from stuff from my last move, like, you know, like eight years ago uh, or whatever, whenever it was, uh, you know, you're cleaning up or just things go into boxes. Finally, fi- OK, there it is. Fi- oh, there, there that, that must be. It. Here's like episode Star Wars, like DVDs. Oh, wow. It's still in shrink wrap, just as I thought. What I found and I would not have found these because they were, they were all the way in the garage unless I was searching for episode three was. I totally forgot that I'd bought on DVD during like the 13 days it was available for sale the actual uncut the actual theatrical releases of episode 4 5 6 on DVD paired with the restored editions and improved editions but I had been like I uh, it must have, I must have like been really busy when I bought these. I I never even opened them, and not, and now I have on my media server copies of the theatrical releases of the Holy Trilogy that I would not have had I not been searching for Episode Three. You got the gout. So. Yeah, George's uh, George's <laughs> original unaltered trilogy. That's what that's called. You, that you found there. G O U T. I, I like Holy Trilogy. I think it's more respectful, yeah. more more reverent. I would I would recommend that if you. Uh, People always ask me what they should watch for the Star Wars movies, and they're like, "What should I buy?" or whatever. I say, "Buy whatever you want to buy. Buy the Blu-rays or whatever, so you feel like you have morally fulfilled your obligation to give money to the people who made these movies." And then go download Harmony's Specialized Edition. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and that's that's what I keep in my you know if I want to watch Star Wars, that's what I watch. And I have bought all of the plastic discs with these things on them many times over. So I feel my obligation to uh, Lucasfilm, whatever the owners are, is more than fulfilled as I buy these movies again and again. Uh, but I don't watch them. But Harmies to Specialized is the way to go. They, they yeah. look the they're the best looking, uh, and it, an incredible technical job to put them all together based on all these different sources and color corrected. And it is the closest you're going to get to the original uh, idea of what the trilogy is supposed to be um, at the highest quality. And uh, yeah, that's that's yeah. the problem with the Gout ones is they're not great quality. No. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but but the Harmies, it's they they're taking Blu-ray sources and HD TV broadcast Th- sources. Thirty five millimeter film thir- prints of yeah, it, laser discs, all, all yeah. of these different sources and putting them together and actually in, in you know, all those sources in the same shot, matting things out and occasionally you'll see a light or, or you know, you get the uh you get the sand speeder, the land speeder going by and like parts of it are fuzzier than other parts of it. But, but it, still, that's what it looked like in the original. It looked uh, yeah. awful and it looked like they smeared Vaseline underneath it. Yep. It was not good they, looking I think in they the original did. release of the Yeah, film. they they did. But it's uh that's the way to go. God bless Definitely. you obsessive nerds on the internet. I know, it's amazing.
That's the that's what the internet's about. It's about your brain rebels against it. I mean, I do. I also have the, the I also have the the fixed you know, the, the special editions. But every time I, I I'm not even capable of judging it critically because every time something happens in episodes four, five, and six that I do not remember happening for the twenty years in which I saw the classic edition, the brain says, "Wait, that's wrong. That's that, that didn't happen that way." And so whatever yep. you have to do to get the theatrical release is worth whatever you have to do to get it for me. We're giving you carte blanche, Internet. <laughs> yep. We forgive you. Yes. Do what you must. Do it. I can think of no better way to end this opus, this this adventure we've taken through all six existing Star Wars movies just in time for a seventh to arrive this December. I don't know what we're going to do about that, but uh, probably talk about it. Stay tuned for 18 consecutive hours of a telethon about <laughs> our, our new seven. subcast, Jason. The Force Awakens subcast coming in There's December. There's absolutely no way this one's going to suck. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> this Thanks, time for Steve. sure. This time for sure. <laughs> this time for sure. They should have called this it This one that. can't possibly suck. So thank you to my fellow adventurers, Andy and Nutko. It's been a pleasure. Oh, God, that was fun. Steve Lutz, thanks for taking this journey through the prequels, especially with us. At an end, this podcast is, and not short enough, it was. Uh, Serenity Caldwell, a pleasure as always. Thank you for for talking about all these Star Wars movies with me. Yippee! (laughs) That's a good trick. (laughs) Dan Morin, thank you very much. Uh, The pain is slowly subsiding, finally, after these many years. John Syracuse, thank you. I was thinking just to be safe, there should be no couches in episode seven. Mm. No couches. <laughs> that would make me feel more comfortable. And anyway, for the incomparable, I've been Jason Snell into exile. I must go. Failed, I have. We'll see you next time. 